Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan and I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 83 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we're going to be telling a story about the cat and the rat. And that's a big cat and a very big rat. But before that, in case you have noticed a sudden change in fidelity, in audio quality on this very auspicious 83rd episode of Fireside, we are back in the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network studios. I am so delighted to be back home where the podcast began. Hang on just one second now. It shows that I've been out of the studio a while. I forgot to even close the door of the studio, ensuring the soundproofing and the high audio quality. There, now we should be absolutely locked in and guaranteed perfect fidelity now for the remainder of the podcast. I hope you're all very well. Yes, this was a very big surprise to me. I have been quarantined in Wicklow for the past, is it four months now? But as the world has slowly but surely been getting back to normal over the past month, this week is the first week I have found myself being able to move, make start making the move back up to my apartment in Dublin. And so while I've been delighted to be able to record the podcast remotely over the past few months, and I always love that I can do that, that I can take this podcast on the road and can keep bringing it to you, the listener, each and every week, no matter where in the world I am. It is fantastic to just be back in the studio here in Headstuff. And yes, it was very uh, it was very short notice. Uh, I wasn't expecting to be back in this week, but I just found myself back in Dublin. Um, I've started... Uh, doing a workshop on a brand new musical, which is very exciting. It's been incredible to just be meeting with up with people again, meeting up with other artists and actually talking to people in a room, in a real room, not across Zoom, not across the internet, not across a phone, but actually in person, socially distanced with the masks, but still real people talking about real things. It's fantastic. Or talking about make-believe things, but in a real way. But because I found myself back up in Dublin for these few days, I checked in with Headstuff to see could I slip back in 
uh, and have a slot this week if there was any available and luckily there was and so here I am and perhaps you are someone who notices the details of audio fidelity I know myself I usually am not good for this for noticing that I have good gear for my portable studio at home my portable studio which is just a Zoom H4 into a Rode NT1 NT NT1A NTS1A I forget that's that's how bad I am don't even know the gear I have but it's been good stuff and it's been great to get me through the last couple of months I'm really happy with happy with the uh, with the quality that I've been able to produce the podcast at bearing in mind that I was doing it in the spare room in my family home last week while there was hay baling going on outside the window with a tractor going up and down up and down the road collecting hay bales from a neighboring field to go from that back into a professional recording studio with soundproofing is an incredible joy and I really uh I warmed myself back into it. I brought the whistle. I brought the Bowron, which I've been uh, practicing away and tipping away at over the past few months. And it was great to play them full loud for ages, just just in a soundproofed room, you know, and not be worried about annoying neighbors or family members or flatmates or anything. That was a, that felt like the right way to the right ritual to get myself back into the Headstuff Podcast Network Studios. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, that's all going to be total nonsense to you, and I apologize. But if you are a first-time listener, thank you so much for joining. Why not go back to the very beginning if you enjoy this, all the way back in episode one, and see what we've been building up to over the last year and a half. The various cycles of Irish mythology littered throughout with a huge amount of folklore and storytelling. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. Please do follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard. It's the best place to contact me uh, if you ever want to get in touch with any thoughts on the podcast or if you just want to put your flag on say hello. I always, always love hearing from you, the listeners. And if you have messaged me and I haven't get back to you, rest assured I will. I I do endeavour to get back to every message for the time being while I still can and if you really enjoy the podcast please do you can always support us on patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast where you can join our ever-growing now list of very generous benefactors in the incredibly competitive world of patreon at a at this very difficult time for the entire world but certainly for the arts the arts will be the very last back in terms of uh, any kind of normal schedule, as as normal as artists can have a normal schedule. But I, until I want to get back to doing these live shows for the podcast as soon as possible, and I've got a lot of other projects to do with the podcast and otherwise uh, in the pipeline, and we're just waiting for the opportunity to be able to invite live audiences back among ourselves once again so the patreon has never been more appreciated so i want to thank our new patreon our new patron for this week which is and i'm gonna hopefully not massacre the pronounce it's sumner shoal or sumner shoel shoal let's go sumner shoal uh thank you so much for your support sumner joins uh, our most recent from the last month uh, he joins martin Karen and chuck lyle as our three most recent patrons to the ever-growing list of benefactors and if you want to join 
uh, the incredibly generous group who do make a financial contribution to the podcast every month, every month, even if it's just the price of a pint or a cup of coffee, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast link in the bio you can join but that is totally up to yourself it's a totally egalitarian model based on soundness and that is up to yourselves if not continue to listen to the podcast for free i listen to plenty for free and i get enough out of this. i get so much out of this podcast just writing and releasing it every week and just knowing that we are still growing and we feel like we are a community of listeners now which is fantastic and if you want to contact me and you don't have you don't follow the Patreon or Instagram, you can do so by email at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Now we're gonna get finally down to the story for the week. I'm in great form tonight. This is great, there's a great buzz I'm getting out of this. The story for this week uh, is once again from it's from Folktales of Ireland, yes, sorry, by Sean O'Sullivan, the compendium collected from the Irish Folklore Commission, which has been one of the Bibles of this podcast over the past year and a half, and it's been great revisiting it over the past couple of weeks. We should be moving, have already moved on to our new cycle of stories, of mythological stories to go alongside the folklore, but we've had a couple of folktales over the last couple of weeks, which has interrupted the rhythm that we've built in the podcast. But that has been for good reason, the... The next, we've done the four cycles of Irish mythology, and then I did a cycle of Oscar Wilde stories every alternating week um, with the podcast with the folklore stories. And now I've been building an original and the probably the most ambitious thing I've tackled with the podcast over the past couple of weeks. And it's just it's needed more detail and research and care than I initially thought, and so it was worth giving it the time, giving it the extra couple of weeks before we start. But all will be revealed next week when we start our brand new original cycle and saga on the on the podcast. But first, we have a folktale uh, which I've set in the county of Roscommon in the heart of Ireland. And this is the tale of the cat and the rat on Fireside. <laughs> the cat and the rat. Once there was a poor farmer who lived just outside the village of Lacaro in the flat, rural terrain of County Roscommon. On a small tract of land, a farmer lived with his wife and daughter. The farmer would toil his land morning, noon and night, only returning to eat and sleep. And one morning, the farmer awoke and his wife prepared a beautiful breakfast to set them all up for the day. Poor as they were, the farmer's wife could always stretch their budget and make marvellous meals from few ingredients. But just as the family began to tuck in, into the cottage scuttled a rat. First they heard the scratch of his feet on the wooden floorboards. They instantly recognised the sound of vermin. But then the farmer noticed the base of footsteps accompanying the scratches. They turned, and all three stomachs turned in horror to witness the size of the rat. Were it not for the vicious bucked tooth and long, naked pink tail, no one would have doubted that this was a dog. But the distinctions were there. It was the size of a Jack Russell, 
but this was definitely a rat. The family recoiled from the table and huddled into the corner as the rat casually jumped up and began to help herself to breakfast. Slowly and calmly, taking leisurely intervals to lick up some tea, the rat had her fill and left the house. What was that? cried the farmer. How could such a thing even exist? Much less get into our home. No crack in the wall or floorboard could possibly be big enough to allow such a demon through. But that was only the beginning. The farmer went to work and tried to forget the ordeal. But when he returned home for dinner, and the family cautiously began to tuck in, in walked the big rat. Nobody move, said the farmer before his wife and daughter could jump to their feet. If we stay seated... Maybe she won't dare approach. But the rat was not the least bit bothered. She quickly approached the table as if she was an invited dinner guest who had arrived late and was eating quickly to catch up. She did not polish off the plates. She only ate her fill. But she still ate off every plate. And who would want or dare to eat the remains of a rat's dinner? When she was full, the rat once again left the house. The farmer's wife made a late supper, bigger than usual, sure as she was that the rat would not return three times in one day. But like clockwork, in came the rat, helped herself, and left. Anxiety gripped the farmer. Whatever will we do? We're poor enough as it is. This rat will surely starve us and then eat our child. There's only one thing for us, said the farmer's wife. We need a cat. The next morning, the farmer left even earlier than usual and searched the Lacaro extended townland in search of a feline saviour. Eventually, he found another farmer with a nine-month-old tabby, young, fully grown, with an appetite for murder. Our farmer hurriedly brought the pussy home. The farmer's wife was ecstatic and proceeded to feed the cat as much milk as they had. We can ration or go without milk for a while, she said. We need to get this cat big and strong. Soon, it was dinner time again, and the farmer's wife prepared another fine meal, confident they were now protected from the big rat. When they sat down, in came the hungry, hungry vermin. When the cat heard the rat, her hair stood on end, her spine curved, and her claws bared. Before the rat could even near the table, the cat launched at her enemy, and there on the kitchen floor their brawl began. The two creatures bit and clawed and howled at and into each other for the length of the meal, with the family cheering on. Come on, cat, kill that rat, chanted the farmer's young daughter. But as natural as the order of cat kill rat is, this was no ordinary rat. It was nearly twice the size of the cat, and soon the tide turned in favour of the rat. She dug her teeth deep into the neck of the tabby defender and tossed her toward the fire. Defeated, the wounded cat cowered in the corner. 
The family watched in silent dismay as the rat, calm as ever, climbed on the table and ate her dinner. When the rat later returned for supper, the cat had Vietnam flashbacks and ran from the house into the night, and the family were sure they would never see that cat again. Three days and three nights of three square meals followed, each one with a visit from the big rat. The family grew emaciated and hungry. The farmer cried, We're done for. The rat will be the death of us all. But on the fourth morning, the farmer went to his door and opened it to, without question, the biggest cat he had ever seen. If the rat was the size of a dog, this cat was, in proportion, the size of a small pony. If you or I had seen it, we may have compared it to a lion or to a tiger, but of course, images of such things would have scarcely come to mind at the time of this story. The farmer didn't know whether to invite the cat in or quiver in fear, but his anxiety was put to rest when behind the monstrous feline was the farmer's own tabby returned for revenge. The farmer's wife prepared two plates, a saucer for the tabby and a saucepan for the great brute, of milk. And when they had polished them off, the two cats curled up and slept by the fire. Then, of course, the rat returned. The vermin arrived, and the cats woke up. The tabby was reminded of her own wounds and ran to cower in the corner. But the big cat was not so afraid. She bore her dagger-like claws and pounced upon the rat. The brawl descended outside into the yard and became a fight akin to Cuchulain and Ferdy at the ford. For hours and hours the two beasts chased and were chased and took their vicious, clawed swipes at each other. But the natural order was finally restored when the big cat sunk her fangs into the throat of the rat and tore it limb from limb. The family were too petrified to cheer, and they were catatonic as they watched their giant cat saviour return to the house, mew at the tabby in the corner, before both felines left the house. No more was either cat ever seen or heard from, and no rat intruded the farmer's house ever again. The End And that is the story of the cat and the rat on Fireside, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, strange fun tale about the, uh, this one. Interestingly, and I think once you hear this, it does definitely colour your impression of this story. In Folktales of Ireland, the main source for this particular story, there are subdivisions. There are often in folklore books subdivisions of categories. So you'll have stories of kings and queens, stories of the trooping fairies, stories of the solitary fairies. So this 
is from a section of Folk Tales of Ireland, which I have mined probably the most stories for this podcast from, from any one section in it. It is stories of people from the other world. It's it's much vaguer than in some than for example the WB Yeats Folk Tales of Ireland book, which which divides it into individual fairy types, whereas this book has more of a section on just people from the other world because it has a section on animals and section on historical characters and the like. So this is from the people of the other world section of the book from which such stories as the fairy frog, the fairy wife, uh, one of my all-time favorites, the man who had no story from the very beginning of the podcast, they all came from this section of Folktales of Ireland. Uh, or one version of them came from because a few of them had a few versions in different books which I drew from various sources for. But this story, the story of the cat and the rat, or the big cat and the big rat, as it is in that book, I think that's what it's called, but I found just the cat and the rat works better because it rhymes with the cat and the hat, of course, so it has that real poetic, childlike almost sound to it. But that was uh, this story came from that section. So, of course, it's implied that this isn't just a coincidence that a giant rat appeared in a house and then a family got a small cat, which then disappeared and went and found another big cat by total chance. It is implied that it is the other folk, it is the fairies who are involved in this story, that the fairies either enchanted a regular cat to make it giant or what I think is probably more like is this is a fairy cat that is enormous, that was that these are two from some giant realm of the underworld, of the other world, that were lost, or the rat escaped from the world and started to invade in the human world, and the tabby went to fetch his giant counterpart to rescue the poor farmer's family from this awful, gigantic rat. I set this story in Lacaro in Roscommon, which is a beautiful, beautiful little village which myself and my girlfriend visited a couple of weeks ago when we were uh, staying in an Airbnb on Lochree, which I was talking about on the podcast last week, I think. Uh, a beautiful, picturesque little village. And so when I found out this story was set in a farm, I thought that would be nice to set it on that because Roscommon is beautiful farming country. And particularly, I saw some gorgeous farms in and around Lacaro, so it was nice to really visualize a very specific place for this story. I always like when I can to set them in a specific place that I have been that I can really draw from. If I can draw from the place where it's meant to be set, I absolutely always will. But if I've been in and around somewhere that sparks to mind, I have no problem changing it because that's the nature of folklore is stories from around the country and around the world. They're all adopted and changed and they always have been. And if they're going to continue, they always have to constantly evolve. But so it was nice to set this story in Lacaro. But yes, we have, this is the first time I've encountered this type of thing, certainly, of gigantic, gigantism in domestic animals. But I suppose that's what really jumped out for me. And I liked it almost, again, very Dr. Seuss, very cat in the hat, because the words cat and rat rhyme, when you have the brawl between them, it became almost like a slam poem you know it almost went into its own little rhythm and verse of the rat and the cat and then the cat and the rat the rat and the cat the cat and the rat and that happened totally naturally that wasn't intentional i probably could have rolled with it like this probably could develop into more of a very quick a quick fire piece uh, because the very simple story again like can be told quite contained 
but then just quite evocative, incredible, beautiful imagery in it. <laughs> Maybe not beautiful with the rat, but you can conjure up a really grotesque image on it. Any fans of the book, or more specifically the film for the visual reference of the Princess Bride, what are they called? Are um, you... The RUSs, I think they are, the, what is it, the rodents of unusual sizes that they find in the forest of despair, is it? It's not, I apologize for any massive Princess Bride fans, it's been a n- number of years since I've seen or read it, uh, but it is, a, it is actually a fantastic, fantastic book, if anyone hasn't read the book of it. It's really weird and unusual, and William Goldman, the screenwriter who wrote the book and wrote the screenplay for the film, is one of the great screenwriters of all time, wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and All the President's Men. Great films, wrote an incredible book on screenwriting called Adventures in the Screen Trade, which is one of the best books on writing of any kind I've I've read. Uh, but that was just a slight side note. Um, actually, I've uh, been mean, I've got a message on the Patreon page about this, about people asking me to push the books and things that I reference in the description which is something that I should do anyway because I I realize a lot of people listen to my podcast on the go a lot of people in the car so I will continue to I will start to do that uh, start getting better with the writing the descriptions for those stories um I can't remember why I led on to talking about that Anyway, about the descriptions, I I will continue to do that. But yes, so this story came from that and was just very simple. But again, I I don't usually question it too much if a story grabs me and I think would be work because it's different. There's there's elements in this story that have been in no other Fireside story before and that I think more than anything. I think I read this story a couple of years ago when first researching the first batch of episodes and don't think I noticed it at all but now down the line when there have been a lot of recurring themes or you know running themes in different stories then when you revisit this and suddenly it jumps out at you all the more because it has elements that haven't featured in any other story I particularly I don't know why I particularly like when there's animals involved it probably is the the childlike nature you know I liked doing the four stories about the fox which also came from this book there's a lot of stories about animals and birds in in this book, but a lot of them are too short and a lot of them just aren't quite enough to make a full episode on, which is why I did the four episodes, four stories about the fox as one tale, because I really liked the fox stories, but there just wasn't enough in any of them individually to make a full episode. Although I did recently discover a book which I haven't bought yet, because I'm too behind in my reading as it is, and I knew I'd just put it to the top of the pile and read it. But I did find a book on animal folktales of Britain and Ireland, which I hadn't discovered before, that I'm going to get next. And we'll let you all know uh, if anyone wants to hold off buying it. I will be definitely buying it anyway, and I'll let you all know if it's worth the investment. Because, yeah, I really like the stories about the animals for some reason. I think they're just fun to write. They're fun to describe. And it's fun to personify animals. It's when animals get to behave like animals. So you get to describe, you get to, especially in the performing of the podcast, you really get to feel the spines of the cats and feel the hair. And then it's also fun to personify them, to give an idea to what a voice for a cat or what a voice for a dog would sound like. 
I think that's just a lot of fun as a writer and then as a reader as well. And I hope as a listener too. But that will all be next. But I'm going to wrap things up now there before I sit around because it is very, I'm very, very tired now. Because, uh, yeah, it's fantastic as it is to be back in the studio. I am actually recording this quite late. What time is it now? It is now 10 o'clock on the button, 10 p.m. at night. So I should wrap this up now before I go into full drive to midnight, uh, late night radio DJ, sleepy voice sound. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you if you're a first-time listener. Strange one to start. Go back to the beginning, why don't you? And thank you so much to all the returning listeners. Please do continue to follow me on Fireside Bard on Instagram, thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Support the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. Thank you so much to Alan Paddy at Headstuff. It's great to be back home in the studio. Thank you so much to Jamie, my editor, for continuing to cut cut and release this podcast every week and thank you so much to you the listener one more time i'll see you all you'll hear me all next week and remember wherever you go and wherever you are you can always join me by the fireside this podcast is part of the headstuff podcast network